Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in. Now 4-4 between the Blackhawks and the Islanders. That's early in the third period. After two, Anaheim with a 4-3 lead in Boston. Arizona and Toronto now 2-2. Late in the second period, Austin Matthews has a goal in that game. Kings and Red Wings 1-1 late in the second period. New Jersey and St. Louis are even at two early in the second. After one, the Wild have jumped out to a 3-1 lead on the Predators. Jets up 1-0 on the Panthers early second period. And late in the first, no score between the Stars and the Rangers. The Oilers will play Tampa Bay on Saturday, and we'll have it for you on 6.30 Chat. I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 7.07. We are your voice for Edmonton Oilers and Edmonton Eskimos play-by-play, which means throughout the football season, you heard this guy's game uh, named quite a bit, Justin Sorensen from the Edmonton Eskimos offensive line. Justin, welcome to the studio. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you for having me tonight. Let me turn your mic on. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me tonight. That, that's on me. That's like I took a bit of a false start penalty there. I've got to move back. Yeah, I jumped off here. sides a little bit. Yeah, yeah, no yeah exactly. Sometimes I, I do that. Well, first of all, thanks for thanks for coming in. Are you are you a full-time Edmontonian now? What's going on? Yeah, I moved out here full-time. I finally left my place in Vancouver. So, yeah, I'm living out here full-time now. And got engaged and found a girl out here, so give me a reason to stay. Okay, well, that's another story in itself we're going to get to. But uh, what, what was this, your second year as an Eskimo? Uh, yeah, it was, it was my th- no, it was my third year. Third year as an Eskimo, so uh, oh, so 14, 15, 16, yeah. right? Yeah. So uh, three pretty decent years, so playoffs every year, above 500 every year, a great cup, pretty good. Um, as Edmontonians, we're, we always are, we're always kind of flattered when people from other parts of the country, athletes from other parts of the country, make Edmonton their off-season home. Did you ever expect that you'd be calling Edmonton home year-round? No, because like I said, I played for BC, I played for Winnipeg, and even my first year or two here, I always went back to Vancouver in my off-season. But, I mean, Edmonton's actually a great town, and I'm having a great time here, and it made sense for me to stay. Uh, did your perception of Edmonton change as you became an Eskimo? Oh, for sure. Before before I played here, I, it wasn't one of my favorite cities. And then now that I live here, I realize how wrong I was, and it's actually a great city to live in and great fans and great people. So what was your what caused your initial perception and what caused the change? <laughs> uh, well, just I'd never really been here, and I mean, honestly, a lot of other places you hear bad things about Edmonton, and whenever we came, I didn't think it was that nice of a city. And then once I signed here and actually lived here, I realized that I was completely wrong, and it's actually a great place to be. What are some of the things that won you over? 
Uh, I mean, honestly, like, there's so many, like, bars and restaurants and, like, places to eat and, like, places like that. Like, even, like, I live in Vancouver, and I find even here that there's such a variety and so many different places that are fun to go to and stuff. So that that's a good thing. And uh, and the sports fans here are way better than BC, obviously. I mean, BC's Fairweather fans, where the Eskimos and Oilers fans are pretty diehard. So that's another great positive. All right. Well, first of all, I have to chuckle a little bit that the first thing the offensive lineman mentioned as the plus is the food variety. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are supposed to be moving away from that stereotype, Justin. <laughs> hey, we're still 6'8", 300 pounds. You, 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 you are a big man. Yeah. Uh, so, well, well, that, well, that's great. I mean, we're pleased to hear that. I know I've had, uh, you know, J.C. Sheridan, and he, he said, I, I asked him in, when he signed last year, I said, what do you like to do on a day off in the summer? He's like, I just go go to White Ave and hang out and grab a drink or something to eat. So yep. uh, Edmontonians are, are pleased to hear that, that you're, you're, you're fitting into our, our scene here. Um, you mentioned that you recently got engaged. And I don't know the whole story, but I, I heard that it's it's pretty cool and kind of unique. So can I just yeah, throw the mic to you sure. and you can take it away? Well, I wanted my engagement to be special, and and we, I wanted my whole family to be there and hers as well because me and, me and Madison were both very family-orientated. And the only place I could think of where I could bring all... 40 or 50 family members together at one time without it being suspicious was the football game and I wanted it to be a surprise to her as well and so my kind of my thoughts were I think when we played BC I'm like well after the game I'll go inside I'll go inside change or not even change just go inside do the breakdown with the team and then after all that was done I'd come back out and I told her that I wanted to get pictures with all the family. Okay. And so is she, this here or in Vancouver? No, this was here. This was the home game. The home you game. You guys won yeah. that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I told her I wanted pictures with all the family because my mom flew up and all of our families were both there. And so she had no idea. And so and so when I came back out, I had a, I grabbed a hand warmer and I put the ring box in the hand warmer so she wouldn't see it because obviously we're wearing all spandex. There's not very many places to hide a ring box. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so we came out, came out, and then she, like even like our our person our personnel people knew. So there was a few cameras following me, and like even afterwards, she's like, "I was wondering why those cameras were following you." And so and then yeah, I got down on me, proposed, and she said yes. So, so that was, was right special. on the the track area, yeah, Commonwealth. Yeah, then? just right off the turf. Yeah. Uh, so her name's Madison. Yeah. Is she listening right now? Uh, I don't think so. I hope so. Well, she should. T- when, you, when, when you see her, they tell her she should be listening yeah. to Inside Sports all the time. Is she, no, is she an Edmontonian? She is. Born and raised. Uh, can I ask how you met? Uh, she actually is working as a bartender at Earl's. No way. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> me and Kinger and Shaw and uh, and Calvin McCarty, we all went there just after after uh, after practice this early last year um, just for some lunch. And she was bartending for us, and so we're we're just kind of chatting as we were all sitting there having a, a beer and some food after practice. And then while well, we were chatting, I'm like, "Oh, you coming to the game on Saturday?" And she's like, "No, I don't go to football games." <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, "Okay, well, are, are you going to be out afterwards? We'll probably go out after the game." And and then uh, and so and she's like, "Yeah, I'll probably be out." We're like, "Oh, well, so I told her where we we're going to be," and she ended up showing up. And oh, wow. Yeah, and the rest is history, as they say. That, that, so now has she become a football fan? She's going to the games oh, now, yeah. I hope. Yeah, she comes every day. She's a football <laughs> fan now. We, 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 had to, we had to do some teaching. But oh, really? Her dad's a big hockey guy, so mm-hmm. her, well, fam- her whole family grew up with all hockey. So Okay. Like how – I am not. I hope I'm not embarrassing her, but how uh, 
how extensive like did you have to teach okay first down three downs six points <laughs> no she like she played baseball growing up and hockey and so she knew like she had a pretty good grasp like her fa- family's a sports family they just weren't really huge on football so she knew the the basics she knew the difference between canadian and and, and nfl like three downs four downs but she just didn't know what the positions were okay like, what kicking the kicking some of the technical meant. stuff yeah. right okay yeah. fair enough justin yeah. Sorensen from the edmonton eskimos joining us on inside sports so you you do a very public staged engagement was there how confident were you she was going to say yes I, I i had a fairly good idea you'd we, had a marriage discussion obviously oh we'd talked about okay. it and we'd gone and looked at rings um, a month or so before that, uh, she must have got suspicious because we went and looked at the rings, and then I never brought it up again. Okay, <laughs> so, <laughs> so she, she might have thought something was up. Yeah. Uh, okay. What What do you think the What do you think the most difficult thing is going to be for her to be married to a pro football player? Um, I th- the hardest part is just sometimes like the hours, like during the season we're we're gone for. You know, every other weekend we're gone, and then, and then to be honest, in the off season, one of the hardest parts too is that we're home all the time. Is that like it, she comes home and I'm sitting on the couch because I already got my workout in for the day, right. and then I go again with her in the evening. But that's one of the hardest parts too is just the the difference in schedules. And like I know it's hard when guys are gone all the time, and that's really hard on athletes' wives and girlfriends is when they're always in the road. But as a football player, you don't travel as much as a lot of other sports. But still, that's hard when you're gone for three or four days, especially that long stretch we had in the season when we were gone for, what was it? Yeah, seven four, out, days, seven four out, road games in a row. No, yeah. seven out of eight games that we were on the road right. at the tail end. So that was a little tough on her. But And I think, too, I mean, hopefully my body is in good shape when I'm done football further down the road. But I think a lot of athletes, too, have trouble with that when further down the road their bodies are a little more beaten up than the average person. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask you that. Has she brought up or has there been a conversation where maybe she said, okay, you know, I read, hear stuff about concussions. I've seen stuff that has happened to your teammates or other players in in the league. Is is that a worry for her? Uh, Well, to be honest, her dad brought it up to her because her dad was a pretty high level hockey player um and he's pretty beat up from his years in hockey because he was a he was a, a scrapper back in the day um and and he played uh he played just right below the nhl and so he's pretty beat up now and so he kind of told her like if you're gonna if you're gonna marry an athlete and you gotta know that when they're 40 they might not be moving around as well as a normal 40 year old so she kind of knew the risk and understood it so so she's good with it how old yeah. are you now 30. 30. And you decided to re-sign with the Eskimos. I wanted to ask you about that. I want to ask you about some things you guys went through this uh, uh, this season. If you have a question for Justin Sorensen, you can text 630-630. It is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Cam Talbot. This is Oscar Plethbaum. This is Zach Cassian. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. This is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers. Help bring Christmas to those who might otherwise go without. Please support 630 Chad, Santa's Anonymous. Remember to check out Anonymous.ca to find out how you can help Justin Sorensen from the Eskimos in studio groove into a little Corey Hart. You probably weren't quite born when that song came out. I was. I, I, I know the song, though. I definitely know the song. <laughs> <laughs> What's your pump-up music before a game? Do you have anything? Uh, honestly, or is it whatever Odell place well i mean the locker room does get pretty loud but actually the o-line gets in there earlier than everybody else so we play rock music for about an hour and a half over the over the over the speakers and then when everybody else rolls in 
it quickly gets changed to rap music. Okay, no rock. Are we talking? Give me a give me a sense of who you play. Uh, like the Cranberry Zombie. Okay, yeah. Play or like uh, like Thunderstruck, ACDC. Stuff like that stuff makes you feel that. mean. Yeah, it's like get you ready. <laughs> Uh, Justin Swartzen checking in inside sports at 6.30. Chad plays for the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, recently engaged, so congratulations on that. Thanks for sharing the story. That's that's uh, that's really cool stuff. You are six foot eight. Yes. When did you uh, blossom? <laughs> when, when did you have your growth spurt? And it's like, oh, I'm getting big. I've always been the biggest kid. Okay. Um, I don't think I grew after grade nine. Really? Yeah. So I was this tall in grade nine. That's why I was a basketball player as well. So was, was it basketball first? Uh, I, basketball was my first. I mean, I played football and basketball. I loved both of them, but I probably liked basketball more than football. And then I, in grade, because I, I played in the provincial team in grade nine and ten. And then this is all Vancouver area. All, the BC. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then in grade eleven. The provincial team coach didn't take me because he said that I already had football offers and he wanted to give somebody else a chance. Oh. And so that kind of was like, all right. And that's when I started training hard for football. Because the basketball, the provincial team would travel all summer before football started. Oh, I see. And so then once they did that, then I was like, all right, I'm going to concentrate on football. And, and then I started training, lifting really hard for football and made basketball a lot harder. And you got to play for South Carolina. And you were telling me uh, during the break, you got to play for one of the most famous uh, old ball coaches ever, two, Steve, two Steve Stra- Who else? Uh, uh, Lou Holtz recruited me. Oh, wow. I redshirted my first year under Lou Holtz, and then Steve Spurrier came in, and I played four years under Spurrier. So did Lou Holtz himself call you or visit you? How did that go? Uh, he, yeah, he called me on the phone several times. Yeah. Probably five or six times. He, Lou Holtz didn't come and visit me. Um, the assistant coaches did. Flew all the way from South Carolina to, down to the Vancouver Island. That must have been surreal. Like, can he, and, I, and I know there are more Canadians excelling in football in, in both leagues, so I don't want, I don't want, I don't want them to sound ignorant here but there must have been something to be you know a vancouver high school kid and a major american football college is given is wants you to come play oh absolutely and i wasn't i wasn't even a vancouver high school kid i was a vancouver island oh right yeah my, my town is like fifteen thousand people and it was and it wasn't our football team our school is 900 kids i think and so yeah i mean it was it was surreal for sure and it was pretty crazy i mean all these coaches flying in to see me my phone ringing off the hook every day for people calling I mean, we'd have every day we'd get four or five, six letters in the in the mail, and we'd open up and read them. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty cool experience. So, what well, what put South Carolina over the top for you then? Uh, it was probably the best school that offered me, at least in the best conference. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it was my only SEC offer. Okay. And I probably I had, had I got six or seven other offers from from other Division One schools that are good, but smaller conferences. Um, and then obviously a lot of people recruiting and sending letters, but the offers are the big things, right? What was it like playing there, uh, I guess both from a fan intensity angle and also from a competition angle? Because sometimes a middle-of-the-pack SEC team is still ranked in the top 25. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was... It was crazy. I think I think I, I think I, I played right started a right tackle for 32 games um, at the tail end of my career, so the, the three, four, and five. Um, and I think I played against 12 DNs who went in the first round in the NFL. <laughs> oh, jeez. So, so like the. Do you remember anybody specific that uh, David Pollock? Remember he broke his neck and he's uh, doing announcing now. Yeah. He played against him. Gaines Adams, Clemson. Yeah. He's passed away. Um, in a few, like a few more, like, I mean, LSU, Florida, a lot of those guys put out big time D, D linemen. And so I don't remember any other names. Those are two big ones for sure. How crazy is a game day? It's, I mean, I know you're not with the fans, but you got to be. But aware. I've been down there tailgating too. Yeah, right. Since, right? 
And like my my redshirt year, I tailgated a bit too, so I've seen all parts of it. And it, I mean, it's nuts. You, you got two hundred thousand people outside the stadium tailgating, and only eighty eighty seven thousand going for the game. And I, I remember my first game because with Lou Holtz, he didn't he didn't believe in the walk ons dressing unless they were going to play. So Lou Holtz dressed his scholarship, for, um, even people who were redshirting, his scholarship guys. He dressed, and so I remember my very first year running out against Georgia. Was, so we played Vanderbilt in the road first, and then we played Georgia at home the second game. And I remember running out the tunnel for the start, like for the, for the start of the game. And when you're standing in the tunnel, you can just you know you're, the grass is vibrating, like the ground's vibrating, because everybody's on their feet just screaming. I mean, almost ninety thousand people up jumping and screaming, and and they have a pretty cool entrance too. It's the 2001 Space Odyssey is the song when the Gamecocks run out, and so it's it's pretty nuts. It's crazy. Uh, what do you what do you think's the toughest play to play in the CFL? Toughest toughest place to play? Well, I used to say Saskatchewan because of the noise, but they've had a couple down years. Mm-hmm. So, and Winnipeg is pretty loud too. But honestly, it kind of just depends on the year. Depends who's who's up and who's doing good. But as far as noise go, obviously Saskatchewan and Winnipeg are the two loudest. And then you really gotta you gotta go on the case or you gotta go on foot and stuff. But I don't know. It's as an, a veteran, as a veteran group on the O line, that's who the noise usually most affects. Besides maybe the receivers every once in a while, but that's all waggles with hand motions. Mm-hmm. But as a veteran O line, we've done it so much now that the noise isn't even really that big of a deal anyway. So it's kind of now is who, who's playing the best at home that year. Uh, we're running short on time here. I wish we could, we could go longer, but but you could have been a free agent. Uh, you re-signed with the Eskimos. Uh, why? Why not see what else was out there? Uh, there was a bunch of choices for me. I've played on three teams now. I'm not trying to go play in a fourth. It's not fun moving cities, meeting new teammates, earning a new job. I mean, obviously, you got to keep your job when you're a starter, but going to a new team and then fighting all that, learning a new system, learning a new city. I mean, even, even the annoying part of finding a place and getting furniture and moving your car out there, like all those things are just so huge. And, and then obviously the most important reason is that I found a girl here, and so I want to stay here. Well, we're happy to have you because uh, I think people remember the play the O-line suffered when, when you when you were hurt, and uh, that was probably the most Riley got, got hit when, when you were out of action. So, Justin, thanks for coming in. I hope we can do this again. It was great to get to know you a little bit and uh, enjoy Christmas and uh, the Edmonton winter, and I hope the wedding is beautiful <laughs> whenever it is. And, uh, yeah, it's great. To, I'm really glad you came in. All right, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. All right, uh, Seattle up. Oops, Seattle up 10-0 on the Rams. That's halfway through the second quarter on Thursday Night Football. We'll talk a little Oilers and uh, speaking of making a career, a little making your way in stand-up comedy with Paul Meyerhog when we get back. Please drop off a new toy for 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous at any shopping center. Costco, Toys R Us, or Canadian Tire. Making Christmas dreams come true. 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous. The Blackhawks have outscored the Islanders 5-4. The Ducks still up 4-3 on the Bruins with five minutes left. Early third, 2-2 between the Coyotes and the Maple Leafs. Also early in the third, L.A. with a 2-1 edge on Detroit. The shots are 24-9 for the Kings. Late in the second period, Blues lead the Devils 3-2, and the Wild lead the Predators 3-2, and the Panthers lead the Jets 3-2. Those are all late in the second period. After one, no score, Rangers and Stars. Thursday night football, Seattle 10, Los Angeles nothing. They're halfway 
halfway through the second quarter. I'm Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630. Chet, you know, the best thing about doing a job like this is all the different people you get to talk to, and uh, we're going to welcome in a guy tonight who is indeed different. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Meyerhog is joining us in studio. He is a stand-up comedian, a proud Albertan, and a proud Edmonton Oilers fan. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Reed. This is great. I should tell people how we met. It was about three weeks ago, uh, not on Tinder. No, surprisingly. <laughs> surprisingly enough. <laughs> we met uh, We met in Lloydminster at uh, a fundraiser for the Midget AAA team. I was there as the uh, opening speaker, and you closed off the night with a bang doing doing your great stand-up. That's right, yeah. And and in between us was Barry Stafford. It was uh, one of the most bizarre shows as far as opening acts I've ever had in my in my 15-year career. It was bananas. You have a, a, a radio star and, and an Oilers alumni, and and then you gotta you gotta go up with my little skits. It was it was hilarious. You know what I appreciate about you is you you incorporated stuff Barry and I had said into your material and I admired that because I know from working with Andrew Gross and I had two brief opportunities to do my own stand-up through Andrew's Comedy Festival but I'm doing like five minutes and I know how the thought you guys put into your acts and all the writing and, and honing it yet you could still work in improv stuff on 20 minutes notice like is that tough or do you look for opportunities to do that in that scenario there that was purely survival because (laughs) (laughs) it was i don't know if you remember but i got on not till about 11 p.m or something and and the bar was rocking and there was table conversations going so um in that i knew i needed to grab the attention of the audience and there's no better way than than laying into barry and and you and and incorporating and and improv and uh it just makes you really present inside the room and I knew if, if I tried to go straight into my act then the audiences are like uh, angry dogs or bees they sense fear and they would have been all over me man those tough load minister boys would have been would have been ridiculous so that was just yeah pure survival instinct and uh, and, and it was fun though that was a great show you're a huge Oilers fan and we, and we want to talk about the hockey team um, but you your career path is really interesting and, and you told me a little bit of it but I, I think people will be interested and we want to flesh it out a bit here first First of all, starting in stand-up comedy, a lot of people would love to do it. A lot of people would love to be Jerry Seinfeld and make millions and get a get a, a sitcom and, and then tour at his, at his convenience. And it's so great, right? But he's like the point zero zero one percent. But if, so, what made you think? All right, I got to try it. I think I'm funny enough, and I and I want to try to make a career out of it. Oh man, I uh, yeah. I mean, I still want to be a stand-up comic if it's compared to Jerry Seinfeld. But uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I I wanted to start when I was in high school. I was sneaking into bars when I was 16 um, to watch it in cameras, and uh, I always just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Uh, and honestly, uh, my vision was very narrow. I thought, you know. Um, uh, a headlining tour with Yuck Yucks through Edmonton and Calgary and 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 Lloyd and and uh, and Grand Prairie and Fort Mac. I thought that was my Hotel California when I was that. Day. I thought, you know what, if that was it, then I I I, I would have been just happy with that as a career for sure. I just I thought it was uh, I thought it was amazing just traveling around and telling jokes and uh, yeah. See, that's evidence of your passion because I think most 16-year-olds drink into bar or sneak into bars so they can drink. Yeah. You just wanted to watch stand-up comedy and get some. Get some pointers. Yeah. yeah, it was funny because in cameras too, if you were underage and somebody else 
in the bar knew you were underage, they could they could tell the the staff, the bartender, and then you would get a free pitcher of beer bought for you. So when when the money was running low, they'd look around and they'd see an underage guy and be like, "Oh my rock, he's 16," and then you get tossed and they get a free pitcher of beer. Nice. Was, yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Paul Myrock joining us in studio inside Sports on 6:30 chat. So did you remember uh, a first gig that either? Well, I'll frame it this way: that either went really well or really really bad and had you at a crossroads actually uh, you know what this is interesting because my first I, this is a very clear memory i was with gross your uh your uh your work partner mm-hmm. um and that was the first gig that i remember going horribly and interesting enough i now i i made the move over to england but uh it, the gig was for the uh british military in um suffield army base outside of medicine hat and uh andrew was closing I was going on first. I was meant to do a half an hour, and uh, I made it to about four minutes, I'd say. I mean, they were vicious heckling, and I'd never dealt with that level of heckling before. The UK audiences are are very boisterous. They don't mind joining in, and and I just remember Andrew's um, floating lighter in the back of the room telling me to, like, that was the symbol to get off right now. You were losing this room, and it's time for me to save the day, and uh, uh, yeah, that was a big eye-opener. That's the first, you know, tough situation I was in, for sure. It was bad. How did you bounce back from that? Um, Yeah, you just, uh, you know, you you just got to have... It helped me get a little leathery skin, I'd say. And, uh, you know, know, the the vets will say, oh, it happens all the time, and shake it off, and... and, and go in with a better game plan than, you know, have a, I, I could have used the tricks that I did in Lloyd Minster and try to be a little bit more present in the room and some improv off the top instead of trying to ram your first joke down their throat to, to nothing. <laughs> they just, they can see it coming and they they just jumped on me like a pack of wolves. See, that that's so interesting because your material, um, I, I would assume more or less stays the same. Like, I know you write new jokes, but I, I would assume you have a set. Yeah. So... It must be, is it still that little bit of, uh, I don't know exactly what the word is, but that but that unknown going into each one where it's like, okay, last night everybody laughed and everybody was at my mercy. I was just killing it. Tonight, I don't know if that's going to happen. Do you still have that? Oh, I, for sure. I before when I'm standing in the wings of every show, I don't know. Like, I don't care how big it is. If it's an hour taping for the Comedy Network, uh, or if it, or just some, you know, I'm working on new material on a, on a Monday night in Calgary. I have the same exact thoughts and that is you are you're gonna die tonight like they are not gonna laugh at you it's gonna be horrible and you start sweating and uh yeah and and i don't know if every comic like that but uh but i certainly am and uh but but it keeps you i think that energy inside of you i think is what keeps it fun and exciting but yeah i I convince myself that i'm like i want to convince myself to leave the room like okay i quit i'm not doing it and and same with lloyd minster i was like you know what they can keep their money i'm out of here this is gonna be terrible (laughs) <laughs> wow, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, and then you get up there, and, and, you know, I've been doing it for 15 years, and it's still every night for sure. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, how do you deal with a heckler? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a... I think every comic has a lifespan of... Um, 
of how you deal with it at first maybe you start off a little bit too meek and then uh and then you get really you know years go on then you get really angry with them and and you go way overboard and right down their throat and uh, and then you lose audiences that way because they're like why is this guy being such a jerk you know he's just having yeah we're just having fun and then right. and then you end up leveling off but uh but yeah the, i mean as you as you go on in years you just you basically just let them talk and uh and and try to breathe and not panic because uh, if you just kept uh setting bear traps eventually they're going to walk into it and say something ridiculously stupid and then uh, and then jump all over it well that's probably a good way to handle it because most of the the, the rest of the audience is there to hear you not him so mm-hmm. if you just let the guy talk the audience will probably turn on him right not you for sure yeah absolutely yeah yeah so you just like yeah try to be calm and, and away you go comedian paul meyerhart joining us in studio all right tell us a little bit about where you work now because don't you split your time between here and europe yeah the last five years i lived uh full-time uh overseas in in uh, north london um so yeah i'm uh, uh i'm going back there in march and um uh and i'm there for I don't know, five months, I come home for a month and then I leave for another three. Um, so yeah, the majority of my career now is spent uh, uh, in England and uh, I think I'm up to 36 countries around the world now uh, uh, have done stand-up. Oh, and uh, yeah, okay, so. Well, so here's the thing, why, 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 was, why is London the right place for you to be as a stand-up comedian? Um, there is a pack of guys that uh, from Canada that went over there that I just thought were the coolest comics. Um, they're uh, Craig Campbell, Tom Stage, Sean Collins, um, and uh, and I always just uh, and Glenn Wool. I mean, um, I always just admired their career path. I just I I love the travel. I love the adventure. Um, you know, and in Canada, I, I think there's about 28 comedy clubs across the country, and and then the UK, there's you know. 300 of them in a, in a space that would fit on Vancouver Island, you know? It's really? Just, like yeah. all London and around London, eh? It's just, it is work crazy. You're doing, wow. you know, five comedy clubs a night in London versus, you know, one show a night uh, in Canada. So it's just, uh, they just love their stand-up over there and they love Canadians. They're not huge fans of Americans, but... Uh, <laughs> so you wear the Maple Leaf yeah, on your T-shirt? Absolutely, yes. Hey, everybody, so, laugh, I'm Canadian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, backpack and the patch on my <laughs> bank, yeah, yeah. But but uh, yeah, and so I always, I just sort of looked up to those guys, and I thought, you know, what a what an unbelievable way to to spend a career uh, uh, traveling on the international circuit. So I uh, so I took a risk and and moved over there. I moved over there with nothing. I didn't have a manager. I didn't have, uh, you know, I just had a two year visa for, and uh, and thought I'd I thought I'd give it a whirl. What's the most annoying stereotype people in Europe have about Canadians? Um. You know what? Um, <laughs> there's this stupid this joke that just annoys the hell of me. It's um, uh, how can you tell when you run over a Canadian in your car? And then uh, the punchline is because uh, uh, when you you roll down your window to check and you can hear sorry. From, the, from so the that's wheels. the joke they tell in yeah. England about us. Yeah, that's just it's always the too polite. We're very, we're too polite. We're always saying sorry and stuff. And uh, but I tell you, it's a, it's a lot better. All the Canadian comics over there, when you're on stage, you mention you're from Canada within the first twenty seconds, and watch the whole audience just recoil because they think you're American to start off, and you're about to get destroyed, and then say, oh, I moved from Canada, and you can just, ooh, they all take a deep breath and they're like, okay, we'll we'll at least listen to them for thirty seconds. Yeah. Paul, can you stick? 
stick around because I want to ask you about uh, watching the, the Oilers and, and obviously following the Oilers from overseas as well. You got a few more minutes? Yeah, absolutely. Paul Meyerhart in studio, stand-up comedian. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. I'm Mike Riley. I'm Chris Ketzlaff. I'm Adarius Bowman. I'm JC Shirt of your Edmonton Eskimos. This season, please support 630 Ched Santa's Anonymous. Hey, thanks for tuning in tonight. Been a fun show. You've heard from Kelly Rudy, Sid Smith, our program director here at 630 Ched. I guess brand director is what they're called now. I don't know. He just sits in the big office. Uh, it's had a great story about Alan Thick. Uh, Justin Sorensen from the Eskimos was in studio. And I'm currently joined by Paul Meyerhog, a, uh, originally from Camrose, uh, 15 years as a stand-up comic. Yep. And uh, based in London, but you've been back home here doing some shows. I saw you in Lloyd. You got to hear Justin Sorensen last half hour. You, you enjoyed his engagement story, his field side post-game <laughs> engagement. Yeah, I did, yeah, because I, I, th- I was thinking uh, my girlfriend is laying in a, in a hotel room in Paris right now, and she woke up at 3 a.m. to listen, and she texted, and I was sitting in my Jeep outside of the studio, and I was already, I saw uh, Justin's Jeep, and he's got a way cooler Jeep than me. That's for one. He's got this badass Jeep. And then I, he, my girlfriend texts and says, like, oh, I'm so excited. And just she starts listening. And then she he tells this unbelievable engagement story about pulling a ring out, you know, on field and proposing during a game and all this sort of stuff. So I just I hope you're listening, Justin. Thanks a lot for ruining every chance we all have to have a decent proposal to our girlfriends from now on. Like, what about, yeah, yeah, pulling out a ring and proposing on stage at Yuck Yucks isn't going to quite, you know, Know, turn my girlfriend's crank these days after that story is ridiculous hilarious uh your girlfriend's listening online from paris from paris yeah. what's her name uh cecile hi cecile hi reed hi reed <laughs> je te bless je te bless mon amour hey, well, is, is she in comedy uh no she's not she's uh she's a uh, uh air hostess with uh with air france all right so I, I asked justin what's the hardest part about uh being in a relationship with a football player yeah. what's the hardest part about being in a relationship with a stand-up comic um, you know what? I think, um, you know, lack of money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> giant ego. No, um, I think, uh, you know what? I, I, I believe it's probably the travel, you know? I say I'm, I'm gone. I travel, you know, the, this tour that I'm about to go on is, um, uh, I start, you know, December 27th, and I'm touring till March 11th. It's oh. 60 cities. It's um, she's gonna she is gonna visit in Whistler. I mean, it's definitely uh, it's a lot of travel and a lot of time apart. I'd say, but you know, she's uh, she's a flight attendant, so she she does her own share of traveling. So this uh, this seems to work. So at least she, she understands. Absolutely. Um, so when you do a relationship joke on stage. Hmm. Uh, is she comfortable with that if it's about her or um, if it's based on her? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, You've never asked. Just yeah, don't just, ask. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Better ask for, for forgiveness is the old saying, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not too much of a relationshipy. Co- I don't. Th- I can't think of any jokes. Uh, yeah, I'm a little bit more. You did a whimsical. little bit in Lloyd, but not, yeah. not like. The, oh, you left the toilet seat up tight. You, <laughs> yeah. you were, you were, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not really that good, but uh, you know what? I'm going to start writing specifically about her, and then we'll we'll see <laughs> so, how it works. Test the strength of the relationship. <laughs> there you go. I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad I could inspire you, Paul. Yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, you're a huge Oilers fan. First of all, when you're traveling so much and you're living 
in in London or traveling in Europe? How how do you follow the team? What's your lifeline to the team? Yeah, it's a lot of reading, and uh, and to be honest with you, we were talking during the break. Was um, you know, as comics, we do tons of radio. I mean, I've done radio in Malaysia and Hong Kong. We do tons of it, but this is the first time I've sat in a studio with a radio show that I actually listen to, and I listen to it faithfully. It's way different, you know. You're, you're nervous because I I know I know you. I feel like I know you because I when I'm overseas, I listen to the show and I, I listen I listen to Stoffer and uh, and that's sort of the that's sort of the lifeline. And I think it is for you know everybody. Uh, uh, like my mom is a huge fan, and it, this has been hilarious because this today has validated my career for her sitting in this studio oh, with you. Like I remember, I w- I went to Afghanistan with the Governor General of Canada and had Christmas dinner in Kabul with the Governor General, and she's like, "That's nice, yeah." Anyway, and I was like, "I'm going to be with Reed Wilkins." She called a family meeting. She's freaking out. I mean, this is it. This this show. So we're everybody from from this area. Um, the the you know the the six thirty Chad's a lifeline, and and of course I uh, Oilers Nation. I read um, faithfully every every uh, every morning and um, and NHL.com TSN. I mean, I just uh, it, you you basically just become a, a reader, a, a, an insane reader. Well, thank your uh, mom for the, her re- reduced expectations from about fame. Uh, <laughs> you're, yeah, you're you're more important than the Governor General of Canada. Read, <laughs> that's incredible. Uh, can you watch games there? I mean, certainly the time change is challenging, but yeah, are they yeah. accessible even? Yeah, well, um, they're never on BBC. We get some NFL. I can't think of an instance where me and my mates have been watching a hockey game on BBC but I'm a subscriber to uh, NHL.com so um, uh, yeah I'll get up I'll, I'll, I'll at least watch you know some highlights uh, but it's annoying because they play the same commercial before every <laughs> single highlight right. if anybody from NHL talk, you gotta change the same thing same thing unbelievable uh, so yeah I'll, I'll watch games that way if I happen to be up at uh, 3 4 in the morning then I'll catch it live and uh, and of course during playoff times then then and I just changed my whole sleeping cycle. I'm uh, I'm up till six and and sleep till three uh, three p.m. Life if, of a comic. If we get there again, was you, you're in your thirties. Uh, yeah, I'm thirty four. So you've uh, you're old enough to remember Stanley Cups, uh, and you've been through the uh, decade of darkness, as it's been called. Uh, where are you at the this year with uh, with your team and with the team and your your hopes for the Oilers? Oh, um, even through the decade of darkness, like I um, I was with them. Uh, religiously and uh, and I did I watched uh, every game I could um, this year uh, is really exciting because um, you know me and uh, me and mom and dad were talking about it last night where we're playing meaningful meaningful games now and uh, and that's a huge step for this organization and uh, and we don't have the right to complain anymore at all like any caller that from this show should not be complaining because we you know and having McDavid you're not allowed to complain when you have Connor McDavid on your team. It's like uh, it's like the prom queen, a beautiful girl complaining about split ends. No one wants to hear it. We have the best thing in the world, you know? The, like, just relax and enjoy it. It's just been a wonderful ride. And even when we're losing, you know, it's 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 only by a goal. And, and the hockey's you know, top quality. Our defense is amazing. Like, it's just so nice to see him cycle it out of the zone and actually, you know, shut it down. You know, Larson and Clefbon were I mean, the Swedish house mafia, I call them that, that line. And it's just, I, I'm, I'm loving every game. Even when we lose, it's just, uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to watch. All right, we're into the final minute. Tell people uh, if they can see you in the near future or, or find out where you're playing online or follow you.
follow you on Twitter. Give people all that info. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, this tour that I was talking about, it's 60 cities, and, and this radio station would stretch to a lot of them. I mean, it's Camrose, it's Lloyd Minster, it's uh, Grand Prairie. It's uh, it's called the Snowed In Comedy Tour. We go through, we do the theaters. It's a, it's a comedy tour based on snowboarding. There's four of us, Pete Zedlacker, Dan Quinn, Damon Schritter, Arge Barker from Flight of the Concords, Craig Campbell. This is a, it's a star-studded lineup, uh, so go to snowedincomedytour.com. You can follow me at Paul Meyerhog on Twitter and find me on Facebook. My fan page is there. And uh, um, yeah, and then there you go. And I tweeted out, if you follow me at Reed Wilkins, you can get uh, Paul's handle because I tweeted out. And there's a nice picture of him too if you want to imagine what he looks like. There you go. You're a solid seven, I would say. You think so? <laughs> well, you swiped left on me at Twinder. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Paul, thanks so much for coming in. Great segment. Thanks, brother. That is comedian Paul Meyerhart. We're out of time. That was a fun show. Charles Adler tonight is up next. Thanks to the producer of the show, Dave Campbell, our studio producer this evening, Matthew Panashik. Are you working your final edition of Inside Sports? That's it. Final you, edition. You did an tonight. above average job on every single one. <laughs> My name is thanks. Reed Wilkins. It's 758. Uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow night. We're going to the show. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.